Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Some of you know that my younger brother died of a heart attack. He was a cop. And when I went down for the funeral, Lori and I packed up everything. We went down to Columbia, South Carolina. And I went over to his house where my sister-in-law was. And I had the shock of my life when I went there. It was not just the shock of his death, but my brother was a cop. And when I went there, the place was packed. There were all kinds of people there. They weren't family. They were other cops. And a guy would show up and he'd have six Domino's pizzas and he'd bring them in. And somebody would come in with coolers full of drinks and somebody would come in with donuts and food and people were just handing my sister-in-law money in her hand and they were hugging her and, and people would be waiting. Because it's Columbia, crime rate's pretty high there and when, when folks know there's a funeral, they'll rob you. And so cops would be positioned outside the house and everything. And, and I was exposed to a group of people, these police officers, who saw themselves as one big family. And when one of them hurt, they all hurt, and they were there. I mean, and they, we're not just talking one night. They were there all week long, being there for my sister-in-law. And as I was watching all this happening, and this outpouring of love, and this outpouring of support, here I am, a pastor, and I'm sitting back, and I'm looking at all of this, grieving my brother, but I'm watching all of this, and I'm like dumbstruck. I'm like in awe, because... What I was seeing there in the outpouring of these men and women who were police officers towards each other and comfort towards each other, I have to admit I haven't seen in a church before. And of all the places, that, of all the people in the world that should be like that, it should be the church, shouldn't it? Where we love one another and care for one another and we are there for each other. And I actually was there and I, in the midst of my grief, was rebuked by actually seeing a true community of love, a true community of devotion, where people were willing to sacrifice. Wouldn't you want that kind of family? I mean, I, I, I was a spectator. I got the benefit a little bit, but I was a spectator. They were there for my mom, for my sister who married was married to a cop, and for my sister-in-law. And, you know, that's really what God wants us to be. He wants us to be that kind of a church. You know, we've been looking in God's Word over the last few weeks for the marks of the church that God has empowered, the church that God wants us to be. And we've seen a lot of different things. We've seen that it's a church of people who are devoted to the Word of God. It's a church that prays. It's a church that's there for each other. It's a church that worships, focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a church that has a fear of God guiding them in their lives. But there's another aspect, another mark of the church that we're going to talk about today, and that is a willingness to sacrifice. But what we're going to see is, is that their willingness to sacrifice isn't their willingness to sacrifice to an organization, isn't their willingness to sacrifice just to God, but their willingness to sacrifice for each other. 
See, church to them was more than just an organization. Church to them was more than just a meeting. So I want you to notice with me. We're going to look at two verses, verse 44 and 45, and look at this next mark. Look at what the writer Luke writes. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. What we're going to see today is, is as far as looking at this whole issue of a willingness to sacrifice for others, we're going to first of all see their attitude and what we can learn from their attitude. And my friends, we've got a lot to learn from their attitude. And then we're going to see what their actions are. And, and my prayer is, is that we would become this kind of church. Well, now you might be sitting there and saying, well, man, George, I just read that. That sounds like communism, where everybody's equal and everybody gets the same thing. And it just sounds like communism, a Christian form of communism, George. Is that what you're talking about? No, you're, you're, you're not reading the passage correctly. And as we go through it, you're going to see several things that come out of that, that really what it's expressing here is a family. Let me ask you a question. You think about your family. You'd give your right arm for your family if they called for it, wouldn't you? You hope you would. Or if maybe you're here and you're not from that kind of a family and you're not sure if you would do that, but maybe you are wanting that kind of a family that you could sacrifice for. See, that's what God's calling us to be. So let's notice, first of all, their attitude. First thing I want you to notice is, look with me at verse 44. Now, all who believed were together. Now, that word together signifies something here. And what I want you to see is, is that they were unified. They were unified. They, they came together. They were of the same mindset. They held the same values. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about the same mindset and values, we are not talking about same political preference, our unity is not based on your sports preference. Our unity isn't even based on how you view other things in life. Our unity is based upon Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. He's talking about the unity of the church. And listen to what he says. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's saying we've got to make an effort. It's got to be an effort on our part to have unity. So that we can have the... Unity of the Spirit. Our unity is in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. And he goes on, he says, listen to what the passage says. He goes on and says what our unity is based on. He says this, There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He's saying the basis of our unity is that we come together because of Jesus. It's not because we, 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 we like certain political parties. It's not because we have this view of labor or not. It's not because of this, that, or another. It doesn't have anything to do with what side of the railroad tracks you were born on. It has to do with that we're unified in Jesus. And that's what this early church, their attitude was, is I'm coming together with a group of people and we, we agree on one thing, Jesus. We agree on Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The other thing I want you to see is it was more than just a meeting. It was more than just a meeting. Look at what it says, verse 44. Now, all who believe were together. The aspect of the word together is not just unity, but intimacy. 
when they came together, it wasn't just a worship service that they were coming together for. It was to hang out with the family. How many of you go to family reunions? You like the food, you like the fellowship. Now, how many of you have ever been to a family reunion where every minute was was basically dictated what was going to happen today? Everybody stand up at this point. Everybody do this. We're going to sing a family song together. You know, at this point we're going to eat, and, and Grandpa so-and-so is going to pray, and, and then, okay, we're going to have horseshoes at this time. How many of you have been to a, a, a family reunion like that? None of us. When you have a family reunion, what happens? Everybody shows up with their food, and it's just one big party all the time. Everybody's enjoying each other's company. You're avoiding people you want to avoid. That doesn't fit in what I'm talking about here, but I had to say it. But the reality is, is that there's, it's, it's you're, you just want to be together with family. No structure, just family. Listen, this is what they're talking about in this passage. It was more than just a meeting. It was being together. Listen, this is what's missing in our churches today. And we're all guilty of it. We have made church into just another civic group. We've made church into just another thing that we can attend, stand, sit at the right time, sing several songs. But listen, it's not a meeting. Our gathering together is to be with each other because, listen how the Bible describes us. The Bible doesn't just describe us as some kind of organization. He describes us as a family. This is what God's talking about here in His Word. It was more than just a meeting. Listen, my friends, remember Brad Brad asked you, he had a purpose in asking you that question during the service. He said, you know, why did you come here today? The question is, did you just come for another meeting? Or did you come to be among family, to enjoy the fellowship, to be encouraged, to be strengthened? You've got to ask yourself that question, because that's, their, that's what their attitude was. It was more than just a meeting. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 44 and had all things in common. The word common there, actually, the root of that word common is the same root that we get the word fellowship from. We already talked about fellowship earlier. Remember koinonia? And so here's the point they were making. People were more important than things. People were more important than things. One of the things, if you travel outside of our country and if you go on a missions trip and you know, we've had folks who've gone on mission trips out of our church, and I've gone and done some teaching. Like, And if you go to third world countries, one of the things you notice about believers in third world countries is this, and they drive Americans crazy, because Americans are oriented to time, let's get things done on time, and to effort and production. Let's get it done, get it done. Some of you are nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you folks who've been to the Dominican and everything, you know what I'm talking about. But what you notice with folks from third world countries is, is that relationships are more important than getting things done. And so you might be digging a ditch, but it might take you three days because the guy who's digging a ditch keeps stopping to talk to the next guy who's coming by to find out how his family's doing. And the ditch will get done, but the other person is more important. See, this is what's missing in our churches today. We want to, we're all so focused on production, so focused on stuff, that people don't matter. But let me tell you, the disease that is striking America is called stuffitis. You say, what is stuffitis? It's a desire to be having more stuff than we need. 
And so here's what happens, is that we get so focused on stuff, so focused on stuff, so focused on stuff, we've got to have more stuff, have more stuff, have more stuff. If, if I can't get into my house, I've got to have a bigger house to get more stuff in. And all around us are people. And our focus is on what? Stuff. Or money. Or power. But people don't mean anything. This is not what the issue was in the early church. The early church, their focus was on people rather than things. This is what it means to have things in common. They didn't walk in. And see, here's the thing. James will later, in his, you know, he'll, he'll rebuke them for honoring the rich man over the poor man because this goes against what he's talking about here in this passage. The issue isn't whether or not you grow up on the right side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks. The issue is, as you know, Jesus, and whether you have a lot or don't have anything, you're in common. Because people matter more than things. But that's not the way it is today in our, in our country, is it? It's not the way, and it, see, it's creeping, it's in the church. It's not creeping in, it's in the church. And it's the attitude, well, you know, I gotta have more stuff, gotta have more stuff, gotta have more stuff. And all around us, all around us are people that we're ignoring because we're focused on stuff. This is the issue. This is their attitude. People were more important than things. Let me just stop for a moment. Every one of us would say, yeah, I think that's a good principle. We need to apply that because we look at it selfishly. You say, what do you mean we look at it selfishly? We want everybody else to have the attitude that people are more important than things because if people are more important than things, they're going to, they're going to minister to me. I'm going to benefit from that kind of an attitude. And you will. But see, that attitude is not just for everybody else. That attitude is for you. You need to start seeing people as more important than things. You need to start seeing that. Now, let's notice now. Here's their attitude. They were unified. They saw it more than just a meaning. They saw people as more important than things. And this resulted in actions. This resulted in them doing certain things. And so I want you to notice with me verse 45, which is probably a hard passage for some to grasp, but I want you to see what's going on there. Look with me at verse 45. It says this, And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. The first thing I want you to see about their action is this. They were willing to sacrifice. This, this verse, verse 45, is the one that we have the most hardest time with. Because let's be honest. I and you have a tendency to worship at the throne of materialism. You know what I mean by that? I and you, so I'm, I'm lumping myself in there. I and you, you sitting there, me, all of us together, have a tendency to worship at the throne of materialism. That's what our sin is in North America. That's why we are robbed of power is that we are not willing to sacrifice. Now, what we call sacrifice in our churches today in North America is not sacrifice. Because what we do is what we call sacrifice is our giving out of our access. So if something becomes made known to us, here's what we'll do. We'll look at our, we'll make an assessment and we'll say, well, you know, I got an extra ten bucks this month. I'll give that ten bucks to, to that missions thing or I'll give that ten bucks to that person who needs it. I'll give that, but, and so we'll say, I sacrificed my ten dollars. But you're continuing on in your lifestyle. You didn't sacrifice anything. You gave out of your access. You gave out of what little bit of extra you had that month. But what true sacrifice is, is that you're willing to give up something else for others. And see, that so goes against the grain of what's happening. 
Because again, here's, and I'll, I'll share a personal struggle so you won't say, boy, he's preaching at me. No, I'll preach at George here. We, we have some, Lori and I have some dreams of things we want to see happen. She's got a big list of stuff she wants to see happen at the house. Isn't that normal, guys? they got that big list. You, you can live in a shack. They're wanting things to change all the time. Isn't that right? Everybody nod your head. Yeah, I know. Or you're afraid. That's what's going on. You're afraid, right? Well, you notice I'm saying it because Lori's not here. All right. And so we have these dreams of things we want to do. You know, so we're saving up for things. And, and, and it's all, you know, and so it's like, and when we see a need, the, the wrestling match begins. We've got that little money over here. We're saving that for this thing over here. And in our mind, we're like, okay, I know you want us to help these folks over here, Lord. But, you know, as I'm looking at my stuff over here, I, I don't have anything. And all the while, we're just kind of like saying, this, this over here doesn't exist. And God's saying, well, you know, hey, what about over here? Well, you know, Lord, that's for that, that project, you know. And, and you know, it's going to benefit the church later on. And, you know, and it, you know, forgetting that he's the one who gives. See, their, their attitude, their unity, they're viewing it more than just a meeting. They're viewing people as being more important than things was expressed in a willingness to give, to sacrifice, to, to chuck the dreams, to chuck the desire for this, that, or another. Why? Because this brings me to my next point. They met the needs of others. They met the needs of others. They were willing to give up for the needs of others. So again, remember when I said to you, we give out of our access? So here's what happens. So-and-so comes into our church. She, has a, she or he has a seat in our church. And, 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 it's, and it's made known through whatever, the grapevine or whatever, that that person has a need. That person is struggling. That person has a financial need right now. And here's what we'll do. We'll sit there and we'll say, oh, well, I need to pray for them. Jesus, help them out. I hope there's a government program for them, Lord. I hope the trustees have enough funds. I hope they're awake today to see this need. And that's our attitude. When God may be revealing it to you, have you do something about it. And here's what we'll do. We'll say, well, you know, Lord, I want to help. I, you know, if I, if, if I won the lottery, if I, that ticket I bought really hit it, I might help them then. Oh, by the way, Lord, if you hit that ticket for me, I'll help them. Isn't that the way we think? And, and the reality is God may be saying, you know what, hey, you were going to go out, take your honey to a restaurant Tuesday night. How about just hold off on that and give that 20 bucks or 30 bucks to that person who has a need? And, and sometimes it doesn't have to be monetary. It can be your abilities. I remember a few years back we had a, had a, had a gentleman who had a car problem, and one of our folks here is a mechanic, and they went over and donated their time to help them work on their car. That's wonderful. That's what we're talking about, the willingness to sacrifice. Because what is he sacrificing? Time. But here's, what, here's the attitude today. Well, I'm not going to do it for free. I mean, I get paid to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, if I want something for doing it. See, they were willing to sacrifice for the needs of others because they recognized that the others that they were sacrificing for were their family. That's what's missing. We, we, we look at it as an organization and just somebody who attends. But God wants us to expand our thinking beyond that, to think of it in terms of these are my family, my Christian brothers and sisters. I'm going to spend eternity with them. Isn't that interesting? Forever. You need to be there for them. You need to be there for them. 
Listen, let's go back for a moment. Let's stop for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. Remember my story at the beginning? My exposure to the police culture with the death of my brother and how they rallied, they were there, they watched, they gave, they sacrificed. I mean, the guy showed up with all those pizzas and there he was. And we look at that and we think, man, that would be good if we were like that here. But you know what? You can be like that here. That's the standard God wants us to have here. But it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start with you deciding if we're going to be that kind of church. Because it would be easy to sit there and say, boy, I, we need to be that kind of church. I hope those people on that side of the room get their act together. No, 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 no. It's not them on that side of the room. It's got to start with you. Don't worry about them. Worry about you. Here, let's wrap this up. Let me give you three things to think about. Number one, where's your focus? Say, what do you mean, George? Remember I told you that their attitude was that they were unified, they were centered on Jesus? Remember I told you that it was more than just a meeting? Remember I told you that people were more important than things? That was their focus. My question to you is, as you're sitting here and you're saying, yes, we need to be that kind of church, well, remember I told you it starts with you. The question to you is, where's your focus? Is it on you? Or is it on the the unholy three? What do you mean the unholy three? Me, myself, and I? Is it on self? See, if it's on self, you're not going to comprehend any of this. You're only going to view it from, how am I going to benefit from it? I wish somebody would show up to my house with eight pizzas. Come by today at two. Where's your focus? See, if your focus is on stuff, you're only going to be selfish and you're going to view things from the, from the selfish perspective. But if your focus is on people, it's going to change things. Let me stop for a moment. I've got I to point this out. I've got to make this point. You have to listen to me. Listen to me. I saw some demographic information. I had uh, someone give me some demographic information on Clearfield Hyde and, and Kerwinsville. And the interesting thing for Clearfield County, do you know that church attendance has dropped 6% in the last 10 years? And as I looked at that and I looked at the statistics, I realized what it was. Our churches are getting older. They're graying. That's people just dying. If that rate continues, there aren't going to be any churches after a while. Churches are going to start closing their doors. In fact, that's the prediction. The prediction is, you know, I think, I think there's 300,000 churches in the United States. They're predicting a third of them will close their doors in the next 10 years. 100,000 churches sh- shut the door. Boom, gone. And so then I look at that. That's on one hand. And I look over here, and there's that age group of 18 to 40-year-olds. They, they really don't want to have anything to do with the church because they don't see any genuineness in the church. They just see a bunch of religious stuff, and they want to see something more than that. But you know what? They can't find it. And so here's, here's the reality. When you look at this, where's your focus? You've got to ask yourself a question. People out there are looking for something genuine. They're wanting to look for the genuineness of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're going to have an impact in our community reaching normal people, average everyday people, where they're at, we're going to need to be the kind of church where they can walk in and see, man, these people care about each other. 
They love each other. Did you hear what they did for that person over there? That will speak volumes, more so than coming in and saying, boy, I really like their music. Boy, they really keep the things up really nice around here. That doesn't attract anybody. It's reality of people. See, where's your focus? Which brings me to my next point. Here, here's the thing. Let's, let's ask yourself, that we've been asking this for the last six weeks. Can you see God's vision for the church? Can you see, listen, can you see his vision for a church of real people that's going to impact the community? Listen, I'm, God's been really working in my heart. Whenever I go around, I see people where they're at. And I, I think about the possibilities that if we really became who he is, we would just blow the doors off this place. We'd have to look for somebody else, somewhere else to meet. Somewhere else to meet because we couldn't fit them all in here. That is exploding in my mind weekly now as I'm praying and as God has given me a vision. And, and, it's, and I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the reality that if we... See, it's not me. It's you. If we just started doing what He called us to do, you blow the doors off. You say, well, I don't know that I want us to get any bigger. Look, if Jesus showed up, you'd want to be big. Because everybody else would want to be there too. And that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Do you, can you see his vision for the church making an impact? Listen, some of you here, you've got loved ones who won't come to church because they're tired of the fake and, and the, the hypocrisy. Isn't that true? If only they could see what's real. But it's got to start where? It's got to start with you and I. So it brings me to my last point. Here's the last point. Listen, ask God to make us a church that impacts the world. Ask Him, Lord, yeah, I know this is what we need to do. I know this is who we need to be. This is what we've got to be, Lord. But you've got to do it. You've got to make us that kind of church because, Lord, we can't do it. George ain't that smart enough. And I'm not. It's got to start with you and I, but as the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be that kind of church. Listen, folks, I want you to, I want you to dream with me for a moment. Dream with me for a moment. Let's say we make that decision. We walk out of here. And we say, Lord, we want to be that church. Fast forward a year from now. Fast forward in your mind a year from now. You come in here and you look around and you see, I can see it now. Faces that you haven't seen before. 18 to 40 year olds. Yeah, maybe they got tattoo. That's normal now. Reality, listen to me, listen to me. Can you see it? But you know where it's got to start? Right now. Being real right now. And being real and saying, God, help us to be that kind of church. Thank you for being with us this morning. We trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. Before we leave you today, George would like to share some special news about an upcoming event. Friends, we want to thank you for being a regular listener to the Heart Zone program. 
At Kerwinsville Christian Church, we are encouraging our folks to become men and women of God's Word. In an effort to help them achieve this, we have provided them with a Bible reading guide. We would like to provide that Bible reading guide to our listeners. If you would like a guide, simply write or call us to request one. There is no charge. The guides are free. Simply contact us at Kerwinsville Christian Church, 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, 16833. Or you can call us at 814-236-1622. We want you to become a man or woman of God's Word. So contact us and request a free guide. Once again, thanks for being a faithful listener. And may God bless you and all that you face this coming week.